It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at NFL on Twitter. And, of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And we're still doing our draft uh, build-up. And it's been amazing. Absolutely amazing. However, however, I did get... Uh, we, we did. We did. We got propositioned on Twitter uh, from, from a crowd who said that if we would join their mock draft, you know what they'd send us, lads? It's a free draft guide. So I was like, ooh, <laughs> you know, we could do with some expertise really? around really? here. Yeah. Wouldn't it be gas if it was if it was Peter's draft guide? <laughs> yeah. Mm. And well, like what? we usually sell it. Like, really? Do you? Mm. Yeah. Anyway, we've got 334 pages of pure gold here. And we are yeah. now today on page 312. Please, students, open your draft guide to page 312. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way we're the ones talking and here's Pete sitting silently here and when he's the I author of said draft. I just wondered if we were just going to read each page and just carry oh, on. Oh, that'd be amazing. Carry on with our pre-draft podcasts after the draft. Yeah. Oh, God, do you remember that yeah. in school? Like, oh, read the next one. God, that was nice. They, they, they were you... Daryl, I know you definitely weren't. You probably did a Shakespearean style. Peter! Peter! Did you... Were you a big fan of reading in class out loud from a book? Uh, when I was small... Yeah. What are you trying to say, Pete? That that's the way me and Daryl are now. Is that, <laughs> no, that, that Daryl? Did you hear? Yeah, see the way you mentioned size that. and not age. What I heard that. I'm six foot four on the inside, Peter. Yeah. I just don't have to go showing off. Yeah, Peter. God damn it, Jesus! What height are you, Peter? By the way, about five foot eleven. Oh yeah, yeah, five foot eleven as well. Yeah. All the tall guys talking down to the small yeah, guys. Talking that's down fine. to the small guys. Yeah, we see. So Daryl, literally, literally talking down to small guys. Let's face it. Yeah, look at this draft guide. Um, so look at this special team specialists, uh, Peter. We're going to talk about um, special teamers. Um, but Daryl, I know you had some umbrage with uh, with some phraseology in this draft guide, did you not? I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm really, I'm trying to. I mean, let's try. I'm trying to be as woke as possible and get offended by everything. I do. Yeah. Um, so I've tried my best to get offended by this. And I have to take umbrage of poor old Pat O'Donnell. So if yeah. everyone can please look at page 312 <laughs> under the heading Packers Outlook. Right. One, two. Th- hang on, I have it here. I have it. No, no. Wait, no, it's gone. No, I have it here. <laughs> it says, although the Packers recently signed free agent Pat O'Donnell, it's okay. still very possible that they may consider drafting a punter like Matt Ariza, Jordan Stout, Jake Camarda would be the pu- Ah, Peter. Ah, What's wrong with Pat? What's wrong with Pat O'Donnell, Pete? He's a Chicago Bear. No, he's, he's an Irishman. We've taken him. Yeah, no, are we? Are we ta- yeah, I suppose we can. He's O'Donnell. Yeah, and what's... Uh, yeah, that's that sounds very uh, very anti-Irish to anti-Irish. Me, Darryl, yeah. yeah. Saying, but the fact that he's from Chicago and, you know, he's not Irish and we're really trying grasping at straws here. Yeah. Pat O'Donnell, if he, if he was in Ireland, he'd definitely sell bread or milk or something. Or, yeah, Gates, probably. Gates. Yeah, no, bread, though. Yeah. He's definitely like uh, Pat's, Pat the Baker. Sure. Yeah, right, Pat the Baker. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Because that's the thing, if you look up Pat O'Donnell, it's one of those things, you look up Mason Crosby, you get Mason Crosby, right? You look up Pat O'Donnell, you get like oh. 700 Irishmen with red faces and no hair. Yeah, all from Donegal. Um, so anyway, what I am interested about this on special teams, though, to, to drag it back is, it's one of the areas that we obviously have been absolutely woeful the last few years but it's not something you can easily fix in a draft either which is kind of strange so like looking at your i mean are we going to draft anyone probably not 
But if you could lead us through your thoughts on that, because it's one of those areas where people go, well, we need to fix special teams. But it isn't really something you fix in the draft, is it? No, it isn't. And, it, and it's not something you fix through one player, because especially with the difficulties the Packers have had over the last few years, where you know they've gone from one problem to another. One week, it's the punter. Mm-hmm. And the next week, it's the kickoff coverage. The following week, it's the punt coverage. The next week, it's punts being blocked. It's not like it's one thing that you can fix anyway. I think it's more of a philosophy thing in terms of drafting guys later in the draft who are good special teams coverage guys. So your third or fourth inside linebacker is going to play on special teams probably more than he plays on defense. You want that guy to be a good special teams player. And, you know, the Packers have picked lots of offensive linemen late in drafts recently and done pretty well with them, with the likes of John Runyon and those guys. But eventually you've got us using those picks on you know, your fourth corner or your fifth corner or your fourth linebacker is going to be a superb special teams guy. Yeah, and it's one of those things I've noticed over the years. It's, you don't want to waste a pick on a special team, but it's almost, it almost appears to me to be an afterthought, which is annoying because of how important it actually can be. But if you look at last season, for example, all these rookies that ended up playing on special teams and it was a bit of a disaster. So it's one of those things, I don't think you're going to fix it in the draft. As you say, it's probably a philosophy thing. You've got to, you've got to fix it as you go, I think is the case. Yeah, and, and I think I think the only possibility I think for the Packers this year is whether they look at the long snapper again. You know, they changed long snappers midway through the season last year, um, and I think it's a possibility that in you know if if Callow Demitis is still there in round seven, then then you might just roll the dice and 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 spend a seventh round pick on him, but. Other than that, I don't see them doing anything particularly special. And when we look at this as well, like uh, something that comes up as Mason Crosby, he was sort of seen as a guy who was going to be cut, um, which hurt my heart because oh. we, we saw, but didn't we see that come after the season though? We saw Matt LaFleur jump in and say, look, we owe Mason Crosby so much more. And the fact that they felt indebted to him, it's almost like the sort of Lewis Hamilton, uh, Mercedes action going on at the minute where they're like, oh, you know, you <laughs> deserve better, you know? Um, <laughs> no, he doesn't. No, he, he doesn't. So much better. He's not the greatest uh, driver on the grid. He's it's not exactly the greatest the same, driver right? on the grid. It's legend. So um, when you look at that, it, it's kind of the same. <laughs> so, you know, it, there was just so many problems, I guess, with special teams. But it's just been typically that thing around Green Bay. Remember Mike McCarthy handed off to Tom Clements because he was going to look at special teams, um, which was just absolutely <laughs> shocking. Uh, Pete, when you, you know, because on your draft guide, right, you will have sort of kickers and punters and long snappers. But... Like you kind of alluded to, the most impactful special teams player isn't at that position, right? It's a guy who's in coverage, who's a fast speedster guy, can a gunner who gets down the field fast, or a guy who's able to return stuff. When you look at this yep. Packers team, Pete, uh, coming into this year, you know, we've Randall Cobb, uh, they say, uh, you know, don't pass up on Amari Rogers as well, that he can do the business and that he was kind of wasn't given a fair shot. Um, when you look at this draft versus, because one of your guilty pleasures, I guess, in this draft is one of those sort of special teamers, right? And do you think the Packers go that way or can they not afford to because we need to shore up the wide receiver and then sort of look for value elsewhere? So this of all years probably isn't the year that they go special teamers or is that not true? I think I think, I think think the only thing that works in their favour is that they've got 11 picks in yeah. this draft and, and I think that enables you to to, to roll the dice perhaps in the middle to later rounds more than you normally would. Um, and I also think in the case of the guy that I like, Marcus Jones, punt returner, kick returner, would also, could, would, would also be your fourth or fifth corner. Yeah. Um, now, he's small, doesn't fit 
you know, the, the, the Packers mould of, of corners is five eight five nine. Mm. Um, but I think if you, but I think if you're drafted in primarily primarily as a as a returner who can play corner as well, then I then I think I think he's definitely worth a worth a pick. Worth a punt. Worth a punt. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, there we go. You got to be careful um, how many Guinness you have in you before you say that. No, but that's interesting because you know we see these players that make such a an impact, and I know I sort of I was editing one of the last podcasts, and I was like Jacoby Jones because I wasn't sure if that was the like little Welsh guy who acts. Um, but, you know, it, they are impactful when they went to return something. And we saw that in uh, Minnesota as well, Corderell Patterson and all that kind of jazz. Um, so is there anybody that sort of fits that mold, Pete, along the wide receiver ilk? Because that tends to be, you know, you either get a guy who's too short, so they don't really, they use him as this gadgety player or a big, tall, rangy guy that they can throw out there. And I know the Packers have had the MVSs and the ESBs and, and everything else. Um, so I don't know, it's probably unlikely they go that way. Um, because wide receiver being a premium, right? You don't want to go draft a guy in the first round and then shove him out onto special teams yeah. to get clobbered. Although that was something that they kind of did with Randall Cobb, albeit he didn't go in the first round, obviously. But, mm, yeah. you know, they kind of put him out there almost straight away. Yeah, I, I think, you know, in the in the wide receiver mold or wide receivers, we've got Tyquan Thornton of Baylor, who we picked out because he's got four four two eight speed. So he's he's six two one eighty one, which means he's a he's a tall guy, but he's a slim he's a slim guy, and I and I think that he could do you a job both as a return guy, but also as a gunner on special teams. Yeah, because I think you know you start looking for those speedy guys, which which is one of the reasons we picked quite a few of those speedy guys, the guys that were running four twos, four threes, low four fours in the forties, as potential guys later in the draft. Because they're they're absolutely going to do you a job on coverage units on special teams, and Tyquan Thornton's the one that comes to my mind because he's so fast, and you know he is tall, and so he kind of fits that Packers mid, you know, mid draft range of of wide receivers with his with his length, and yeah, that that's that's the that's the kind of guy for me in the in the middle to late rounds would be a would be a nice pick. I think Fellas Jones we mentioned. When we looked at the receivers, he's 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 the he's the other guy out of out of Tennessee. Again, you know, really fast guy, ran four point three one in the forty. Um, again, wide receiver, kick returner, punt returner, and will play on coverage teams as well on special teams because he's probably going to turn out to be your fifth or sixth wide receiver on the roster. So, I, I would definitely think on day three of the draft they'll be looking at a Bellis Jones or a Tyquan Thornton, regardless of what they do near the front of the draft with the wide receiver position. Yeah. And is that more likely the way it's going to be then, Peter? Do you think the chances are they're not actually going to pick a pure special team specialist? They're, they're actually going to pick that coverage player? I I, th- I, I think so. I, I think that... I think... So... I think because kick returning is not seen as such a great premium now as compared to how it how it used to be. I mean, you know, the majority of kickoffs are touchbacks anyway. That kind of yeah, half yeah, yeah. halves what you're looking for in a in a in a return guy. And I and I think with the new special teams coach, I think they're gonna be looking for fast guys that can play on coverage units. And I think that fifth or sixth wide receiver is going to turn out to be your kick returner, punt returner, or in competition for that role with Amari Rogers, who's already yeah. there. And I suppose the other thing I was thinking then as well, and maybe this is outside the draft slightly, I mean, it's related to the draft, I suppose, the question, but 
How much input would a special teams coach have in the draft in the sense of, is it one of those cases where we're going to get this wide receiver and by the way, do you, you can use him. What do you think of this guy? I mean, you know, how much is special teams really an afterthought in general? Do they have to work with what they have? Or is it a case, do you think they'd ever have input into saying, yeah, he's our guy? I think that they, will, they will have input, but it's not going to be a great level of input, particularly in the early rounds. So at the top of the Packers board, he'll be part of the discussion just because of his general football knowledge. Um, but, you know, when they start looking at the guys in the middle rounds, and mm. sometimes, you know, by the time you get to the middle ground, rounds and you're looking at player 150, for example, um, on your board, it's quite difficult to differentiate between, you know, the wide receiver that you've got at 150 as compared to the linebacker that you've got at 149 yeah. on your board. You know, and I think that's where you're calling which one of these two guys is going to do us a job as either the fifth wide receiver or the yeah, yeah. fourth linebacker is going to do us a job on special teams. And I think that's where you're pulling in that that expert expertise. Well, do you know what? We're, we're doing the over under on whether Goody goes and trades out because he's always so slippery when it comes to the draft. <laughs> so what do we think? Yeah. Uh, Daryl, do you think he's going to trade up, trade down, stay put first round? I I don't know. The guy is like, this is where he is absolutely brilliant in saying a lot of stuff and absolutely nothing as well. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's very hard to pick. He's being so shtum about it. But I can. Oh, especially to talk you, about, like, oh, you know, we get some good value wide receivers in the second round. And yeah. You can, just, you you can see people putting what? the tweets into their drafts already, just <laughs> slating them, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Pete? So I've, I'm coming around to the view that if I think they're going to try and trade up. In, in round in round one from 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 22 i think they're going to try and trade up to get one of the wide receivers um either jameson williams or chris alave really now the, what would the, they have the, to give the, away the, p for that jesus the, well yeah. and that and that's the and that's the question the, the two questions i guess is one what would they have to give away and two who is there high enough in the draft that will actually want to trade with you um, which is always the, the question that most of us forget is we want to, you know, we say we should, well, we should trade this and we should do that, but it takes two teams to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think the teams that are in play would be Atlanta at eight, um, Seattle at nine and Houston at 13. Now we talked about this two or three shows ago, Steve, that to get from 22 to eight is around the equivalent of the other yeah. first, the other first round pick. I don't think the Packers would give up the other first round pick. I may be, I may be wrong. Um, you know, it could be that you would use it and get, say you traded with Atlanta at eight and you threw in the other first round pick. They may give you back their second round pick, yeah. which would be about pick 40. That's, that's possible. I don't think that would be preferable. And that's where I think that Jordan Love potentially comes into play here mm. because Atlanta in particular Seattle possibly as well, but Atlanta in particular are probably looking for a for a quarterback long term. There's rumours online about that. Do we believe that? Because there's one guy who keeps flogging the horse and it just almost feels like he's got onto this thing. I don't know if he has knowledge. I don't think he's got a blue check, which obviously means everything. <laughs> uh, but he keeps going on about it. So I just wonder, is that one of those things that if you get it right, you go down in lore for like <laughs> predicting it? And if you don't, it's just like, well, just delete it and start yeah, with I someone new. I think I, I think it's probably one of those things where you where you start to build your own story. Yeah. Right. So 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 you want the Packers to trade up, then you've got to try and find somebody that they could possibly trade up with, and what would that team want? 
and 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 you put two and two and two and two and two together, and eventually you get whatever that adds up to, or maybe you don't. Daryl, uh, mathematics, Daryl. <laughs> hey, hey. Uh, hey, I don't know. I don't know, but I, I agree with that. The other thing is, do you know what Goody should do? Not discuss with Aaron Rodgers and get another quarterback. Just saying. Without a doubt. I think we have, hold on, we have a, if he does that, we have a sting for, if he does that right, he has to join Twitter and he has to Don't move. take the abuse. <laughs> Stay where you are, take your scolding. <laughs> has, to, has to take his skull there's no way he's going to get away with doing that actually and that's a you know that's a popular joke that he's got to do something mad but we always say this Peter and they, this is the part of the show that really kind of gets me off is that when we talk about you know risers well hey fallers and then also sort oh. of surprises oh so what's going to happen in the sense of like what can he do to to shock us? I know we sort of spoke about this on on the podcast, but with everything that's happened, Pete, sort of you know with news headlines and everything else like that, has there been much moving on your board? Have you looked at the black ink on your pages and said, "God damn it, that guy now has gone up," you know, two places, three places, or has anybody risen drastically enough that way? Some some very slight movement, but nothing, nothing, nothing drastic. Williams is on everyone's board, by the way, because I know you said with his injury, you don't really know what's going to happen, but everybody seems yeah. to be high on him now, and he's, he's going in the top 10 nearly every draft I see now. Yeah, I think that's probably after the conversation you and I had on here. Oh, without a doubt. Everybody suddenly, yeah. everybody suddenly Viral. Turned, turned on to... <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just think with, with Williams, he's the number one receiver on, on, on the board. You have to imagine that if if he's appearing on lots of boards and particularly, you know, the NFL network guys and those guys that, that they've got knowledge that his medical status is good. Mm. Um, and that being, the, that being the case, it puts, that would put to one side, the one big question mark with, with Williams. And that's why I think that, I think the Packers will try um, to get him or to get, a, get a larvae. Um, and it just depends on, what they have to give up and whether somebody is prepared to trade with them. So I, I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but I think they will try to make it happen. Yeah, because we spoke a lot about Williams, P. What about Alave? I mean, because we kind of dismissed him, didn't we? Well, not dismissed him, but I mean, you know, we're sort of looking at him and go, geez, there's no chance. You know, Williams has more of a chance because of the injury, but Alave doesn't. Is he one of those generational picks? Is he sort of the, you know, is he ready to slot in there and take over that Devontae Adams role within, you know, a year or two? And I think that's the que- that's the question mark, right? So, so is is he a number two receiver in the NFL or is he a number one receiver in the NFL? Is he a guy that you can line up in the X position where Devontae Adams played? He hasn't played much in the X position where Devontae Adams played, right? So he does. So so one one knock on Alave is that he's not physical. So, so getting off the line of scrimmage, if you've got a guy in press man, is probably the biggest knock on on a larvae. But other than that, he's a silky smooth receiver with great speed. You know, can beat teams deep, nice hands. Most of the stuff that you look for. It's just the physical side with a larvae, which is the real question with the real question mark. Yeah, and the big question I had on the whole thing was that exposition, right? I mean, let's face it. Our playbook has been built around Adams for the last two years, say. Yeah. And I'd be very interested to see, is that something that, I mean, are they going to, you're not going to train someone to play in that position straight off. And to me, I was thinking, well, do we not want like for like, you know? Yeah, and I think and I think it's difficult, isn't it? Is, is do you try to replace Adams with mm. Adams, you know, who isn't yeah. 
who doesn't exist, you're not going to replace yep. him. Or or do you pick the guy that you think that is going to fit into your offense, but you may need to do some different things with him? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think you have to you, you have to be realistic, and you also have to look at the Packers have been successful when Adams hasn't played, so they've been able to vary that offense when Adams has been out injured. So, yeah, I, I think I think the issue is that if you dig into these players enough, right, you're going to find flaws and and things that don't fit with every single one of them. And I think one of the mistakes that people can make at this stage in the draft is you look at a guy for too long. Yeah. And that's what appears to be happening with Aidan Hutchinson, for example, right at the top of the draft, is that that guy should go number one, and it looks like he probably won't now. And that's just that, to me, is just complete nonsense. right? And that's, and that's just about people look... You know, it's been sat at number one on people's boards for months and months and months, and all of a sudden two weeks before the draft and now a day before the draft and now the day of the draft is perhaps not the number one isn't guy. It's so funny, isn't it? Like the draft, it's like draft fatigue. People have gone, well, he's num- he's number one and uh, well, no one's going to get him. So no one wants him now. And you're going, what? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah it, it's, it, it's exactly that, you know, because I, I didn't see them play too many games yesterday. For him to suddenly not be the number one player. But... Well, you missed out, Pete. Oh, he was <laughs> in my back garden going ham. Yeah, but that's that's what's crazy about it is is that like it's amazing that it, it is such a human psychology type of thing. And what I would say as well is is that remember it's it, and it's happened pretty much, especially lately for whatever reason because of there's so much media coverage and there's bloggers and everybody else diving in and lads having YouTube videos and like everyone wants to say and and you know and it starts to shift the narrative almost if you pay too. Uh, do you know what? It's not only the draft pick if you pay too much attention to him. If you pay too much attention to the media, you start thinking, oh, well, maybe he is a bit crap then if that's what they're, you know. And like for me and, and for Daryl, I know we're not big into the into the college game. So you kind of take your cues from what the media are saying as well. But when it comes to players like that, I mean, how many times we're told like, oh, yeah, these quarterbacks, you know, they're not going to go the way they think you're. And they go exactly how they think you're going to go because it's, yeah. it's the GMs coming out and playing mind games and pumping those stories out there, trying to devalue them. I wouldn't put a pass to second, third, fourth pick guys putting like obviously they're going to go out and I don't, I'm not saying that it's Sully a player's name deliberately but if it goes that way I don't think they'll be the ones going no lads come on let's rein it in here you know it sort of works in their favour then if he does start to drop um, no, abs- abs- absolutely and that's been known to happen absolutely happens you know and why wouldn't why wouldn't you you yeah. know the, the, the last thing you're going to do is give away who, you, who you're going to pick mm. but I mean going back to the Packers pick you know, if they can't make that trade for, for for one of those two wide receivers, I don't see them trading up. I see them sitting pat at 22. Um, and I think then that begs the question: What do you do there? Because yeah. you can expect that you can expect the top four receivers will have gone, and that yeah. puts you in a question: Do I take Traylon Burks if he's on the board, or do I go for somebody like a Zion Johnson that we talked about before, the guard mm-hmm. out of Boston College, and uh, and roughly equal value guys? And I think it just depends on how they feel about those about those two players at that point. Yeah, it's a real indictment, Daryl, isn't it, though, if they do trade up for a wide receiver? Because, and maybe, again, this is just a media trope, but the fact that there's been so much placed on that position, then you look at the, the narrative of it, which Devontae Adams, when he was absent, the Packers, you know, won every mm. game. They were more inventive. Uh, when Megatron left Detroit, Matt Stafford notably had an improvement because he was spreading the ball around more. 
So Dara, like how much of a how much pressure, like even be it perceived pressure, is on Gudekunst to draft a wide receiver? And you know he's gonna say, Oh, I don't pay attention to that crap, I'm gonna look at my draft board and all that type of stuff. But like, you know, time and time again we see celebrities or sort of personalities come out and say, Well, look, I am on a robot at the end of the day. I, you know, I do see this type of stuff. Um you'd imagine Daryl though that with his scouting background he's very steely in what he needs to do and when your job is riding on it you're going to do what's best for the team but at the same time if he does go for that wide receiver and if he trades up especially the pressure on him and that player for that to succeed is unbelievable yeah Yeah, i think that's true but i think the pressure on him for not doing it because you ask the dog in the street what do we need we need a wide receiver now everyone online has said this for the last 20 years that, oh, you never need a wide receiver, they're never going to do it. Well, I think he has to this year because he's now absolutely warranted in the sense of, as we've already said, you don't replace Devontae Adams, you get a wide receiver. You're not, you can't replace this man. But I think it's one of those things, if he trades up, he's going to trade up to get a wide receiver. If he sits and stays put, he's going to buy a wide receiver. I honestly think he's going to go for a wide receiver but straight off the bat. Is that not the point, though, I would preface, lads, right? Is that when you look at Devontae Adams, uh, and it's the same as what I said with Aaron Rodgers, you don't replace like for like here. You don't you know, get rid of a Ferrari and then get another one, not unless you're stupendously rich. You know, like, it's very hard to get the same thing, especially when it's at that height. So you'd imagine that if you lose a Devontae Adams, to try and replace a Devontae Adams, especially mm. with a rookie, is 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 pants. It's nonsense, really. Oh, yeah. not impossible, yeah. So, like, you sort of think then, if, you know, if you're not going to have an exact replacement, well, then that more warrants a, you know, playbook change, a, a style of play change, which I would imagine is in Matt LaFleur's wheelhouse, uh, even more so if he still had Nathaniel Hackett because of that whole brain trust thing. But does not sort of lend itself to the opportunity for the Packers to say, obviously we can't replace him, so let's not even try. Let's get somebody who does the job that we feel we need them Mm. to do. So it's not actually you know, imperative that they get the best wide receiver, but they get the one that they think is going to fit into that new system that they're going to have, which has always been touted as this run heavy, run first, you know, set up the pass based on the run sort of play action stuff. Um, so I think there could be a big sea change in Green Bay. Yeah, and and that's why perhaps, you know, a Traylon Burks does fit the pack mm-hmm. as a pick, a pick 22, even though he's probably the fifth receiver overall. When you look at his body type, you know, it, it six foot whatever he is and 225 pounds that he's a big big receiver and so maybe he does fit that change of offense if you like you know he's physical he can block he's going to make lots of yards after the catch so you know it's not a guy you're going to send 40 yards down the field he's not mvs yeah but you get the but you get the ball in his hands because he's going to make lots of yards with the ball ball in his hands so yeah yeah and you know and in saying that as well then and one of the criticisms if you can criticize adams what well they used to crit you know people used to criticize packers and say you know when he's playing it's predictable you know what packers are going to do i mean obviously you're going to throw it adams why because he catches it um, but it's one of those things of you know we, people are saying we were way more inventive we were way more unpredictable when he wasn't playing and you know, in a way, you can kind of see that some of the wins without him were maybe seedy your pants, but they were very, very unpredictable. And the reason I think we won so not so easily, but the reason it looked so good was because Adams wasn't on the pitch, um, and because you, you everyone else had to, the play had to change. They couldn't be sitting in the same position it used to be all the time. So we obviously, as you know, you said it already, Steve, about he has it in his wheelhouse. You know, LaFleur absolutely does. So there's no way in saying that we have to get a replacement for Adams. Predict, you know, in, in some ways, having Adams dictated the style of play we could play. Yeah. Because 
that's how he played. Whereas we don't need another one of them to be able to play this the way we used to. Yeah, and I know it's easy, look, I know it's easy for us to sort of say like, you know, because you see the end arounds, you see the pre-stop movement and all this inventive stuff. And that's all great when really you do, it's very chicken and egg stuff. Like, did that stuff work because there was the threat of atoms there? So that, you know, when you started to do this stuff... You know, you can only guard against so much and you don't expect them to be overly inventive yet. If you add in just the right amount of innovation with the normal Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams action, you know, Aaron Jones is, is unstoppable. AJ Dillon does a, a massive role there as well. You know, so it's easy to say that. And when you take that away, like how much that they can key on. But that's the same sort of analysis, Pete, wasn't it, that they, they placed at the Packers feed when Devontae Adams would be out, especially in consecutive games. Because the first game, okay, we don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to lean heavily on this, that, or the other? But what I found and what I always remember about analysing those games is that the Packers seem to lean on something slightly different every single game. Um, yeah. It's just whether they run out of that inventiveness or whether that... Because we all know that gimmicks are caught on very quickly in the NFL. So if they try this sort of really inventive Philly special, you know, type of lark, not that they'll be doing that with Aaron Rodgers, but that type of end around the, you know, wheel route action stuff, you know, they'll catch on fairly quickly. And if you have people in there who aren't experienced at wide receiver, you know, just depending on Sammy Watkins to actually be healthy, uh, well, then it's a massive ask to think that that receiving core can take over that role. Yeah, it is. And that's why I think that, that there's a there's a strong possibility even after picking up Watkins that they get two receivers in this draft one early and one you know middle late that we talked about like a Thornton or a Velas Jones because I because I think they're going to want to we talk about replacing Adams and they're going to want to replace Adams in inverted commas with multiple players that give you different things because that makes you that you know that gives you the opportunity then then to be more diverse from week to week to week to week um so you're not, you know, even if you come up with, like you say, something new or something creative, other teams will catch on to it quickly. Whereas I think if you're doing something slightly different, you know, you're featuring this guy one week or, or this aspect a different week, depending on who you're playing. And not forgetting, you know, the running game is really strong. If the, if the offensive line is healthy, then the, you, know, you know, then the Packers have got a really strong running game to, you know, to always to fall back on. So, yeah. yeah, and the tight ends yeah. in there as kind of bolstering that line as well. I mean, that's that's a well-versed, well-oiled machine. You know, we don't really know what we have in Deguara, but we know he's that big-bodied guy. But Daryl, we we look so we look at this right, and we sort of as we're sort of leaning to, and I think you know reasonably so, is that the Packers aren't going to try obviously replicate what they had with Adams because it's not possible because you need mm-hmm. add Devonte Adams to do it. So with that said, if they move towards a system that is more of a system, if you will, it's not more of a you know it all goes to pot and let's hope it Tay does the footwork, gets out there, gets open, gets separation because Peter said it earlier in the podcast, you know, uh, Olave. You might bring him in and, yes, you can look at him too much and here's a guy who's been criticised for being physical, so maybe he suffers in press, man. We don't know that, of course, once he hits the NFL, but, you know, it's one of those things, as Peter says, yeah. it's, it's something that you'd zero in on. And that's that's something that, look, when Jordy Nelson was here and he was doing his stuff and when he started to slow down, and you know, the criticism was Aaron Rodgers couldn't go anywhere. They, could, they We cannot get off press, man. Press, man is literally the kryptonite to the Packers' offence. It just, yeah. it just it stops us from working. So, with that being said, right, if we're getting away from the Devontae stuff, stuff we have to depend more on the system that Aaron Rodgers hopefully will you know there's no reason to think otherwise because he's agreed to come back sort of settle down within that system and lead that transition almost and now there's all this talk about love going how do you feel about that I mean should we keep love regardless and I know we don't know he's the answer or not but does it not make more sense that 
you know, they could build a team around Aaron Rodgers, obviously, because he's he's superhuman at, at playing football. But also, it's the perfect sort of system to start feeding Love into a bit more and have him take over. Or do you think the Packers have abandoned that and just sort of stick with Rodgers and just see what see what happens? I think that's the way this is going. Um, and I think it's probably unfair on Jordan Love, but I'd imagine what's happening now is, if anything, Love is now going to be used during the draft, uh, you know, as Peter said earlier, as a possible way to... to you know to move up if we want to but it's one of those things i think we're going to build it around rogers i think rogers lasting legacy is now going to be building this new system and i think i think peter's hit it on the head uh, the nail on the head there but i think our replacement for for Devante isn't another isn't another Devante. what it is it's two uh, we're going to have two wide receivers and i think a system is going to be built around those where we can rotate um, and that system and these boys because again as we've just said you don't pick a Devontae Adams you don't get a rookie in who does that so I have a feeling what's going to happen is you're going to have system plays and this is exactly what Lafleur does and I think in a lot of ways a bit like Man United getting Ronaldo back it's one of those things of well you, you can't really re- involve Ronaldo in the system because he's Ronaldo you just give him the ball uh, it was a bit like that with Adams you know there wasn't really a system there was a system in play clear system in play when he wasn't playing Hmm. Um, when he was on the pitch it was quite simple get the ball to Adams in this way I think the system is already set up for these two new rookies to come in Rodgers is going to be standing there dictating things saying this is what we want to see this is what I want you to do uh, and I, re- I can really see that happening and also I think it actually helps um, for it to be more exciting as well because again we it won't be as easy for opposition now to try and find out because they know what they're going to do close Adams down you close the Packers down um, now we proved that wasn't necessarily the case but that's what you need to do. In this case, we get two new guys in. What do they do? Invent a system around them. Yeah, it's interesting, Pete, isn't it? The fact that Rodgers allegedly knew that it was a real possibility that Devontae wouldn't be coming back. I, yeah. I would also say if they're friends as they were allegedly, even though I, I didn't, and again, body language expert, I didn't necessarily see that sort of camaraderie. I knew they were close. They had a good professional relationship. But when it came to friendship, some of the mic'd up moments seemed very wooden or something to me so i don't know whether adams was keeping him abreast of saying like look dude i'm you know i'm not coming back or whatever but the fact that he's coming back pete sort of lends itself that i don't know maybe because we've seen it with rogers right he's kind of he's loosened up a bit he's on the pat mcafee show he allegedly doesn't take himself you know all that seriously i wonder is this the time pete now where he goes you know i've been ridiculed about my leadership for so long he's always said he's not going to be that rah-rah guy who forces down people's throats they have to come to him but i just wonder pete will he take on a different role now because he has to yeah i think that's a great point and i and i think probably yes and i and i think that even though you know you don't want to lose a Devonte adams and i and i know that rogers wouldn't have wanted to lose adams i also think there's probably a certain excitement with rogers particularly if they draft a receiver early or two that to get to work with new receivers and build something with those guys yeah um so so I, so I think there's probably that's probably enough to reinvigorate or, or re-energize rogers i would i would hope let's hope let's hope so so i mean i think it's a i think it's a win-win for for everybody and i think that the other the other way to look at this as well is if Rogers plays for two years, let's say we don't know whether it's a year, two years, or it could be five years. We, we we don't we don't know. But if he plays for two years, the receivers that we draft this year, you know, when we get the new quarterback, whoever that may be in the third season from now, he's going to be working with receivers that are not rookies that have been there for a couple of years and and hopefully are well bedded in and a and a good veteran receivers by that point. So I th- so I think that would really help whoever's coming in as the quarterback after Rodgers. And the, the, the last thing you would want 
is to have lost Adams and then to have lost Rodgers as well at mm. the same time. Because whoever the quarterback is that's coming into that situation, whether that's Jordan Love or, or another guy, be a very difficult situation to step into and to maintain well, I tell you what, a winning Pete, team. It's a good point. And I would even argue, even if Devontae was still there, we saw his unwillingness to play with Jordan Love at times when he was sort of stamping his feet and throwing his toys out of the pram. So I think it's almost harder too when you have a veteran presence who feels like my talent's been wasted here because I'm not being targeted correctly. So I think, again... And I've spoke about this a lot, ad nauseum and apologies about this whole sort of perfect storm thing. But in a way, if it works, it seems like you will get young guys in who won't have the ego the size of, you know, a double decker bus. They will hopefully be conditioned to say Rogers is here for now, but he's not going to be here forever. So we want you to come in, learn the ropes. And of course, they're going to be like deer in headlights. So they're not going to come in with that cocky attitude. They all say that when they hit the locker room, they're kind of in awe of all these stars because they grew up watching them, especially Rogers. You know, mm. and so they're going to come in naive anyway. So the first year, two years, they're going to be learning the ropes. So if they do get a, a quarterback in, it's within their best interest to to extend their own contracts. Obviously, put a name for themselves. But also, if you tell someone, you know, if, if you were to if you joined the job, Pete, and said, "Look, like your your boss, he is going to be leaving. We're going to get a new guy, and it's going to be a bit raw, but he's dynamic. So we want that to be the future of the franchise." You know, you get behind that kind of thing and do your role. Yeah. I would imagine. Um, so, interest. The last thing you want for any franchise is for when your quarterback leaves, for it to, to naturally just evolve it into a rebuild. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that way. It's a rebuild if your quarterback leaves and all your other guys get old together and your wide receiver one leaves at the same time. That's a rebuild. It's not a rebuild when, when just the quarterback goes. It's difficult and it's a very difficult transition it, and it will be for the for the Packers. But, you know, we shouldn't be talking about and I know that Twitter will in a couple of years' time when Rogers moves on. Oh, it's a rebuild. It's not a rebuild. You're replacing one guy, and that's mm-hmm. the situation. Yeah. That's the situation that you that you want to be in at that point. Going back to the Jordan Love question, I mean, I I just don't know, guys. I, I the Packers will have a plan, but they'll be very flexible on that plan. Mm. And 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 I think that you know if Rogers plays two more years, then Jordan Love's four years into his into his contract. Um, you know, then you've got to talk about do they exercise the option on a guy that's not played for pretty much for four yeah, years? It's you'd a really, have to know what you have there, wouldn't you, Pete? It, Jesus. Exactly, exactly. It's a really, it's a really difficult situation. So I, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here. I mean, you know, if somebody makes you an offer for Jordan Love, knowing that the state of the franchise now, where you've secured your franchise quarterback for the next however long he wants to play, basically, but right now he wants to play. So you've secured him for the next however long that is. If somebody makes you an offer for Jordan Love that the team feels they can't turn down, then you can't turn it down. Yeah. And yeah, if if we picked a hundred people, we would probably get twenty different answers amongst those hundred people as to as to what the right thing to do with Jordan Love would be. Oh, we've got to keep him. We've you mm. know had him for, or no, let's tr- let's trade him, and I only want a sixth rounder for him, or whatever it might be. You know, for me right now, yeah, you know, his value on draft day is around a second round pick. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't think, I don't think anybody will give you a first rounder for him because they could go and choose a first round guy Mm. and and it would be their guy, if you know what I mean. So, so, and they would get a guy for five years rather than Jordan Love who'd be, you know, into his third year in its contract. But I think a second rounder, it would be difficult. I think for the Packers to, to, to say no to a second round pick for Jordan Love right now. And that's not any 
you know, that's not intended to be detrimental to Jordan Love. That's not saying we don't think you can play in this league. It's mm. saying we have to understand where we are right now. Yeah. We could swap, in essence, swap Jordan Love, move up in the draft and get a Jameson Williams or a Chris Alave. And, you know, those are choices that you have to make. And you don't know until after you've made those choices whether it's the right one or not. But if you assume that Rogers stays healthy for two years, Love's not going to play. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you want to win now, you know, and, you know, when you've won 13 games in each of the last three seasons, you're in win now mode, aren't you? Yeah. Then, then it would be difficult to turn down either a second round pick or the ability to move from, say, 22 to 10 or 8 using Jordan Love as that. Yeah. And, and that's and that's kind of my thinking on Jordan Love as well. The way I was thinking about this is he's worth more now than he will be in two years' time. Yeah. Because he won't have played any more in two years' time if, if Rogers stays fit. You know, so in the way I'd be looking at it as well, I'd be going, well, let's cash him in now for what he's worth now and not what he won't be worth in two years. Yeah, if you look at the end game, I mean, if he's not going to be used and the likelihood is that you're not going to exercise that contract, which is, you know, and it might be premature for people, and it is, I guess. But, you know, if you look at that, you'll have a good idea. We always hear those stories from Andrew Brandt where... You know, him and Ted Thompson looked at each other when they saw Rogers practicing and they were kind of like, Jesus, you know, this guy's something special. Um, and we won't know until Jordan Love enters the Hall of Fame whether that's true for him too, you know? <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I think the other thing, and, and this is where people have to get away from this, is you have to deal in the here and now, right? Whether you gave up a first-round pick for Jordan Love two years ago, whether that was the right choice, doesn't matter now. That's all gone. It's... It's look at where we are right now. Uh, Pete, you better tell that to Twitter because Twitter doesn't like any of that attitude. Stop well, being so rational. <laughs> but but you can't you can't live in two you know you can't live in yeah. two years ago. And yeah. the great and the great GMs don't. You know, Ron Wolf never did. You know, he accepted that he was going to make mistakes. Well, you you know, and I'm not saying Jordan Love was a mistake by any stretch of the imagination, but but he accepted that stuff I did two years ago I might have got wrong. I can't fix that now. But what I can do is make the right decision now for the franchise going forward, whatever that might be. Yeah, it's that mantra, isn't it, that you'd rather move on a year earlier than a year late. So it, yep. it's, it's that kind of thing of that, look, if you can get the value now and you're going to do yeah. it anyway next and, year, you might as well. Yeah, and people shouldn't regard that as, you know, a Failure. how we're judging. Yeah, and how we're judging Jordan Love. Yeah. What we're saying is the circumstances now are different from what they were two years ago, three years ago when they, when they drafted him two years ago. We are where we are now. Rogers has made a commitment to go forward. He's had two MVP years on the trot. Things have changed. Yeah. And so we have to change with the times, don't we? And and make the right decision right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's that whole uh, Buddhist ideology as well, isn't it? That you have to be able to sort of um, uh, accept the fact that we, um, you know, we do change and we have to change. And that the reason, as you said, the, the whole microcosm has changed. But look, we've... Um, We've knocked out about 40-odd minutes of just pure <laughs> uh, quality here. Gold. So, Absolute yeah. gold. Well, let's make some um, sort of predictions then, Pete. I mean, what can the Packers do in this draft then that could shock us? Or do you think that that's not on the cards this time around? I don't think I don't think there's a shock, but I think that it will excite, surprise people if they're able to make that leap, mm. up, in, leap up in round one. Because rather than us sitting there for two and a half hours as the draft goes on and this guy comes <laughs> off the board, all of a sudden, if you're sitting there at pick 10 or 11 or 8 or whatever, it becomes really exciting, doesn't it? Yeah, We're all sitting it does, there. Yeah. Who, yeah. who have they moved up for? The only yeah. thing that you hope is that they make the move at the time that that guy's available. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the worst thing that could happen is you make the move before the draft, for yeah, example. And he's gone. And yeah. he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> 
but but you'd probably never know that because they're never going to come out and admit, oh, our guy was off the board by the time <laughs> we went to pick. So so I think that's the exciting thing that could happen in round one. I don't think it would be a total a total shock. Um, and then you know there's a possibility that that they trade out of the 28th pick, maybe into early in the second round and pick up some other picks. But you know I think all of those things are very possible, but not shocking. Yeah. Daryl, do you want them to stay put, trade up, trade down, trade out, draft a wide receiver? What do you want them to do? If they stayed, if they stayed put, I'd be happy enough. But if they trade up, as Peter said, that would be just the extra excitement. And then I'd love to know if they do bag the guy that they traded up for. Uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. I mean, if they stay put, I'd be happy enough because then I'm thinking they know they know where they are. They have a plan. They're going to go after who they want to go after. But if they trade up, I think that'll really show you, um, you know, who did they have their eye on in the first place? And that's mm. going to be interesting. Yeah. Well, in the uh, from the quote, take your skull, is from the movie Intermission. And there's a scene in that where he goes to this sort of uh, bar and there's a, an older woman and she's trying to chat him up and she goes, sure, fake it. So I think my attitude is, sure, fake it, lads. We might as well move up and grab someone exciting. Sure, why not? Because the fandom was all about, yeah. I think we've yeah. associated with drafts too long with, oh, is he a bust? Oh, why did we do that? Oh, I can't believe we missed out on this guy. <laughs> so sure, fake it, lads. I think what we'll do is, is go up and get who you want. Fake it. Get who you want, fake it. So, go and grab him. So look, uh, Peter, the draft guide is amazing. It, it, the draft coverage does not end there, though. We'll be on after the draft. And um, of course, stay tuned to at the underscore IT underscore Hedgehog um, on Twitter just to get all of your draft takes as well because it's going to be really interesting to see how you feel about it when we actually do go and place that card uh, in the commissioner's hand. So from at Daryl J. O'Brien, from at NFL, and of course, from the one and only at the IT Hedgehog, uh, we'll talk to you very, very soon. <laughs>